Hey everybody, thanks for watching Soap Notes. Nava Health is hosting this podcast to bring you conversations and analysis around some of the biggest topics in senior care with me, Dr. Jay Labine. Okay, welcome to a, another episode of Soap Notes. Um, I am really excited and honored to have uh, Lynn Rosenbach with us today. Oh man, this is going to be fabulous. Um, Lynn is the VP of Post-Acute Care Services at Banner Health and also the CEO of Banner's Home Care and Hospice. So Lynn, tell me, where are you zooming in from today? Good morning, Jay. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's quite an honor. I am zooming in today from my kitchen in Park City, Utah, <laughs> which um, I've been very uh, fortunate um, to be able to work uh, from here for the last two months or so. A few trips running back and forth to a very hot Phoenix, but mm -hmm. um, it's a lovely 75 degrees outside today. So. Oh my gosh, you're very fortunate. Well, like a lot of us, we've had to, you know, during the last year, we've worked remotely from many different locations. So yeah. that's great. And Banner is quite large now, isn't it? In yes. different states. Different states, uh, six different states. We have uh, 30 now uh, acute care facilities with the acquisition of Wyoming Medical Center back in 2020. Mm -hmm. um, and we are an $11 billion company now. It's crazy. That's fantastic. So let's start out. Tell me a little bit about you. And also, why is it that you chose healthcare for a career? All right. Well, um, I've been at this more years than I want to admit to all of you, but probably 35 years I've been in healthcare. Um, I hail from Long Island, New York. Haven't lived there in a long time. Um, went to school upstate New York. Um, and I just, I love science. I've always loved science. I think I'm a frustrated physician at heart. My kids call me Dr. Rosenbach when I get too far uh, of over the line. <laughs> Uh, but I've just always been very interested in all things medical and healthcare. Um, my skill set tends to be more on the administrative side, I have come to learn. And so um, I'm one of the very few of my friends who uh, actually practice or, or work in the field that we have our degrees in. So I have a, an undergraduate degree in health science. I have a master's degree in public health administration from the University of Oklahoma, go Sooners. Mm -hmm. And I've worked in healthcare my entire career. I always like to share uh, yeah. my first job in healthcare was in medical records, health information management, as it's known. Mm -hmm. And you really learn a lot about healthcare working in the medical records oh, arena. Yeah. So, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, have enjoyed it and never ever wanted to, to do anything else. What a great story from the medical record department all the <laughs> way up to CEO. Yeah. That's, that's a fabulous story. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting, my first, uh, so I'm a physician um, and a, a surgeon by training, um, but my first experience with healthcare was I did EMT training. And so I was an EMT wow. and did ride along with the uh, paramedics, which was a fun place to learn healthcare. Mm -hmm. So, well, let me, let's go into just a couple of questions. And this, uh, you know, NAVA Health is very committed to value-based care. We help enable and convene, you know, this value-based care um, initiatives. And I was, I'm very curious at Banner Health's transition to value. How's that going, both the value-based on the care side, but also, you know, on the payment side, um, 
fee-for-service to more value-based care payments? Well, it's a very deliberate path um, to value-based care. Uh, we are big believers in value-based care, as is evidenced by the um, evolution of our healthcare system over the last 20, 22 years, mm -hmm. starting as an acute care hospital system, but building into truly an integrated um, healthcare delivery system. I think our commitment and investment in the post-acute space is, you know, further um, kind of demonstrates that. So uh, we um, kind of reached a right here a tipping point um, in mm -hmm. terms of our, our percentage of revenue that comes from value-based arrangements. It is um, 40% and uh, growing. And okay. so we're all in on uh, working with payers partners, um, employers, um, you know, direct contracting to provide excellent care, but do that in a very, very um, value-based cost-conscious manner and make sure that we are providing the right care in the right setting uh, yeah. for um, our patients and families. So uh, from ambulatory surgery centers to outpatient imaging to our national partnership um, with Select Medical in the rehab mm -hmm. space, both inpatient and outpatient, we continue to create more access points, lower cost access points for our patients and families and share risk in a number of different arrangements uh, with our payer partners. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I, I did look at all of the expansion has been in, you know, kind of those value added areas. Then that, that's really incredible. Are there any particular programs like that you feel um, excited about because you're now entering into these value-based care programs? Yeah, so I get really excited in, about value-based programs in general. Um, mm -hmm. uh, prior to joining Banner, I've been with Banner seven years now, but I actually worked in a, um, an integrated uh, system, but it was part of a managed care organization that you know, really was probably the hallmark of full risk and, and yeah. um, you know, operating from that end of things. So I love um, from the post-acute end of things, you know, PMPM, full risk, mm -hmm. capitated premium, we, operate in a number of um, contracts in that manner. And I think that's where post-acute really shows its, its sweet spot in just really yeah. helping to manage chronic illness in the home for the most part. And um, so a couple of others, uh, of course, Banner's been involved in what was Pioneer ACO early, mm -hmm. early on and very successful in that. And now in the uh, Medicare um, uh, MSSP uh, model. Mm -hmm. uh, Bundled Payment Care Initiative Advance that we partner right. with Navi Health on in our Northern Colorado market has been a huge success and a great journey in partnership with Navi. And what we created there was a, a hybrid model where we both had to um, do something a little different. And as things, when you do things different, it wasn't a beautiful start. It was some, you know, tough going in the beginning, but we've been very successful in that program and have really enjoyed that partnership with Navi. And then last but not least, we are one of the nine lucky states in Arizona to uh, have been designated as value-based uh, program demonstration uh, via CMS in the home health space. And we've done very well in that as well. So yeah. kind of a little bit of um, soup to nuts, but, but really understand and believe and have passion for how we um, activate, I, I like that word, our post-acute care continuum to help manage the total cost of care. Yeah, I mean, that is a robust portfolio of value-based care programs. Um, and I always found it amazing what you, what the clinicians find as 
additional services that can be provided in value-based care. Um, so um, like you're saying, what we, what we partner together on um, is successful because we're, we're combining the services and meeting the, the member or the patient's needs. Uh, I'd be interested in just, you know, so much happens in the care transition um, from the hospital to post-acute care, whether it's post-acute care hospice or post-acute care um, in the skilled nursing facility. In the medical jargon, we used to call these handoffs. Um, and it was always the concern, are you getting a good handoff? Right. Tell me a little bit about the handoffs or the care transition from the acute care facilities in Banner to these uh, the continuum of post-acute. Yeah, I'd love to talk to you about that. So uh, a couple of years ago um, at Banner, uh, we were tasked with um, doing something different there. You know, the handoff, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in the handoff. Uh, communication, details, things change, people don't realize, and, and things can fall through the cracks. We never want that to happen. Uh, so we optimized our, what we call care coordination, legacy case management model. And um, part of that lives in our post-acute space, which is really, I think, innovative. So we approach um, uh, that whole model from kind of two angles, what we call care today, which is the assessment piece when a patient enters our facility, um, a case management assessment uh, determination or um, you know, prognosis as to what the uh, post-acute care needs are going to be. And then there's care tomorrow where that uh, post-acute transition is handed off actually to our post-acute team. We have a centralized team of transitional care coordinators that um, are varied experience, people who work in post-acute. And as you know, there's a lot of nuances depending if the setting's going to be acute rehab or SNF or home health or hospice and all the details that go into getting the right information to the right people at the right time. Uh, we believe and still do uh, that that is best handled by people who work in and understand the post-acute space. And so yeah. that's a very different model. Um, it was, again, a lot of um, hard work to get there, uh, but we really believe that we have, you know, with better knowledge, subject matter expertise, and also using uh, tools and techniques to make sure that we send information and yeah. confirm that that information has been received and that mm -hmm. what we think is going to happen actually happens. So really yeah. love, love that program. You know, Lynn, in a, in a, po in a previous life, I was uh, uh, a leader over a, a discharge planning or care transitions team in the hospital, right? And also did a lot of work with the hospitalists. It was amazing to me that very, very few of hospital-based personnel ever visited a skilled nursing facility, even though they sent hundreds and hundreds right. of patients to post-acute, very rarely would they, were they ever in the facility or understood you know, the dynamics of post. Right. Is that kind of why you, is, was that one of the reasons you based your uh, care transition on the post-acute? Yeah, and, and not to be critical, um, but there's a lot of folklore and um, out there about who does what, um, where a patient is best served. Uh, you know, one of my favorites, is um, and personally, I think we still look to skilled nursing um, yeah. probably too much, mm -hmm. and really could um, 
get our patients and families home, which that was, I, be, I believe, where they want to be. Sometimes they yeah. can't and they need that extra level of care. And thank heavens we have the um, skilled nursing facilities as a care continuum partner. Uh, but there's a, there's a lot of folklore about um, what happens in home health and a lot of misunderstanding about the very high acuity um, yeah. capabilities that we have at home, um, never mind augmented by what we're doing here today, uh, chatting virtually. We can chat with mm -hmm. our patients and families. We can solve problems. We can reassure them. We can send someone out if um, we need to at the right moment. Um, yeah. So, so yes, that was our going in um, position is we knew that there was, um, you know, knowledge deficits as well as, um, you know, a better opportunity to get people to the right um, place for care yeah. um, by having folks that understand that space involved. Yeah. Is, is there anything in the, in that care coordination where you're looking at the non-clinical factors or, you know, deterioration, like any of the social determinant factors, is that part of your um, management program? Yes. So um, there are a lot of social workers, of course, involved in those care transitions. And we, we do have capabilities within Banner to provide support to patients and families and social determinants of health. One of the um, uh, areas of responsibility that I have is actually a senior center. Uh, it's called the Banner Health Olive Branch Senior Center. And uh, we specialize in food insecurity. Uh, we you know, can deliver meals. We have many, many um, you know, programs and services that we can um, augment. Uh, getting people connected with benefits they're eligible for that they are not yeah. even aware of for yeah. you know electricity all those kinds of things so yes that's part of our process yeah that's that's fabulous um so how about the um the particular patient that is so complex that it, it really requires a hospice yeah. transition can you speak a little bit about just like how do you identify them how do you integrate any palliative care services to that this is just, I think, such an important aspect of a care transition. And I agree. Are they getting the services um, for that? That's probably a whole longer conversation <laughs> for you and I, Jay. But in the time we have this morning, <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we actually have a program I'm super proud of called our Caring Bridge Program. Mm -hmm. um, it lives within our, kind of in between our home care and hospice space. Mm -hmm. uh, we have um, a tool. Uh, that kind of analyzes our OASIS assessments and pops. Uh, this patient may benefit from um, a palliative or hospice conversation. Uh, we have a team that does outreach uh, to those patients, talk to the home health nurse, whatever. And um, personally, I love this conversation. Someone taught me this a long time ago. You know, the H word still scares people, mm -hmm. scares physicians, I think, too. Yeah. Um, but there's a conversation of, we wanted to talk to you about a benefit that you're eligible for that might be able to provide you with some additional services. And um, in my opinion, the Medicare hospice benefit um, is, is you know, the basis of a full risk uh, yes. population health tool. We've been doing it since you know, the 80s. Um, mm -hmm. And really, you know, just the focus and the ability to do for people what they want and provide them with all those wonderful benefits um, that, that the patient and their family um, is eligible for under um, the hospice, Medicare hospice benefits. So, so we try to you know, make people aware of that. We also have um, palliative care consultation service 
in almost all of our uh, banner facilities here in Arizona mm -hmm. and uh, really strongly believe in, in those folks being part of the care team in our facilities to, to do the exact yeah. same thing that we just talked about. It is overcoming the, uh, like the hospice fear, I think is a challenge. Uh, but I, I, I always remember patients that and their families after they've experienced how grateful. I mean, exactly. it is so heartwarming so that they get these types of services can be in the comfort of their home and how grateful the family and the patient are, you know, that, that they've actually um, have the hospice available for them. Yeah. Yeah. After all these years, we still only have one, not complaint, but opportunity for with feedback in hospice, which is why didn't someone tell us about this sooner? Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the care management team, you know, really respects their choices. And I think that is an important part of this is that you're just respecting the choice of an individual to be able to have this service. So, well, we're almost at time, but I do want to ask, I cannot let you go unless I <laughs> ask you a question about COVID, right? So COVID-19 oh, yeah. impacted, it was like, um, in, it was an incredible year of dealing with COVID, right? So what are some lessons that you learned at Banner? And is there things that you really think you're going to carry on into the future post-COVID? Yeah, we've had a lot of conversations about that. Uh, so we learned a lot of things. Uh, we learned as we went, as everyone else in the country did. We are super proud of how um, our system navigated through um, several horrible surges, as everybody in the country knows, Arizona was number one in the world a few times uh, for COVID outbreaks. But we learned a few, you know, what comes to mind uh, right away is uh, we learned how much we can rely on one another um, and the power of our continuum of care in our integrated system. We learned we can do things a lot faster when we have to, and we did. And a lot of noise just went away yeah. Um, and everybody just focused uh, on keeping our healthcare workers safe and saving as many lives as we could. Um, personally, as a leader, um, I relearned um, the power and necessity of connection and communication with transparency uh, with my team and with my peers as well. And that is certainly something we, we are carrying on in terms of very deliberate ongoing opportunities for clear, transparent communication and dialogue. You know, I mentioned to you um, when we were chatting earlier, Banner announced on Tuesday of this week that we are mandating uh, COVID-19 vaccination as of November 1st for all of our team members. Um, it's a controversial topic. Um, just got off a conversation with 140 employees, some of whom are thrilled, some of whom are not so thrilled. Mm -hmm. um, but I assured them uh, that we will continue to make the tough decisions uh, with yeah. their best interests in mind and um, the patients and families that we serve. So lots of pride we have here at Banner in, yeah. in living, and I, living continuing to live through COVID. Is thank God for Banner, you know, because of, you know, the system of that size can mobilize and the population that you deal with is particularly vulnerable. You know, Arizona population, you know how many people come into Arizona right. and they're snowbirds and you know, 
Um, this, the system that Banner has was, I think, such a community benefit at a time of crisis that, uh, um, like, your population benefited from. So, well, Lynn, thank you so much. This has been a, a just a fabulous time to share with you. I'd love, I'd love to even invite you for some more conversation, and uh, I'm sure we um, will even offline have more conversation, but thank you so much for taking the time to be with me on Soap Notes. Thanks for listening to Soap Notes. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud to stay up to date with our latest episodes.